0: Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tats Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Felipe Engineer. He's the Director of Project Delivery Services at the Bolt Company, and he's an author and host so Felipe, thank you, thank you for
1: coming on the show. yeah, super appreciate it. tats, I love being on the show and i'm I'm a huge fan of your content. This applause is for you over here. <laughs> it's like yeah, that little that, that little clap over there is for you, man. It's like you're out there every day, and uh it's kind of cool, like you and I met on TikTok of all places, which is like amazing. I feel like we're almost the same age and and people like us meeting on TikTok, it says a lot and it means a lot to me. So I appreciate the friendship that we've started already.
0: Yeah, I, I like new platforms. First of all, you know, the likelihood of meeting someone like-minded, because, you know, at this point, I mean, you, you know, down the road, you know, you don't know who's going to listen to it at what time, but, you know, looking back, you know, we're roughly in the uh, the winter of uh, yeah, 2022, but uh, not many people in our industry are on that, right? Whether it's construction, building materials, like what sort of drew you into wanting to check something out on the newer side of things?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I do a lot of work with uh, youth coming into the construction industry. I'm a AGC Bill California ambassador. And so like one of the things I do is I volunteer. I talk to high school students and college students looking at trade and professional careers in construction across the entire supply chain. And not just like on projects, like also in support functions as well from anything from building information modeling to like 3D laser scanning, accounting. I mean, all kinds of things in construction, IT. So anything, nothing's off limits. And one of the things I found right away is like, where are the kids at? And so when I first started live streaming, I got onto Twitch and that's where all the gamer kids are. So I, when I live stream on social media, I live stream to Twitch. And then later I picked up TikTok It's actually the recommendation of one of my cousins. My cousin said, if you want to reach the kids, you've got to be where the kids are. And I was like, well, they're clearly, they're not on LinkedIn. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so <I'm> like, <laughs> And they're not on Twitter. And so like I had to go to TikTok. And so I started a TikTok account. I got some crash course training from my cousin who has like 300,000 followers or something like (laughs) obscene. Yeah, he's monetized on TikTok and he's not that much younger than I am. So his content's totally different style than what I want to do. But I did that and uh, it's paid off because I was recently at an AGC conference in uh, Southern California just a week ago. And I showed in my presentation some clips from my TikTok and I instantly connected with all the college kids in the audience. And I, and I picked up like 20 something followers in, in like 20 minutes. And <laughs> so like, Engage, like just, right? right. The engagement's real. Like yeah. this is where they are. This is where they go. That short form, 15 seconds to three minutes is the type of stuff you have, you can hook people with. Like I have a podcast as well, the EBFC show, and it's a long form show that's an hour to an hour and a half. And I'm finding too with experimentation, we're going into season four starting in January of 2024. We're going to a slightly shorter show, but it's still a long form podcast. A long form is, I think everything more than 20 minutes is considered long form, which like to you and I who grew up watching you know, hour long programs on TV, 20 minutes is not that long.
0: You know what I noticed about a byproduct of using TikTok? I'm starting to not uh, having a hard time watching movies. <laughs> it's, like, it's more like if they don't get you in the first 30 seconds, you're like, this is so slow. And I'm like, oh, oh man, yeah. my brain is going to mush.
1: <laughs> I know there's a, a couple of series on, I don't even want to say what platform, but the, sh- the story was moving so slowly. I abandoned the show. It's to ban the show because I'm like I don't need this much character development. Like at this early, I'm not in love with this character or these characters, and I and they lost me. And I just heard uh, Gary Vaynerchuk was talking at a conference, and he put out a YouTube video, uh, and he was saying in his talk to this audience of I don't know how many thousands of people there it was a marketing type of event, and he said Netflix has recognized the power of TikTok, and if you scroll on Netflix today you will see clips from shows and they've done it so that you will add content from those clips to watch the entire program like comedy shows yeah uh, uh specials movies tv shows and like they, they understand the attention span has shifted and if you want to attract younger audiences you got to hook people and it's got to it's got to be something that hooks people because even a trailer sometimes doesn't develop or, or tell you anything. Like, I saw one of the early tra- trailers for Avatar, and I want to say it was like five or six minutes long. And besides water, I couldn't tell what the movie's going to be about. Like, I know water is going to be prominent in the trailer, but I was just like, wow, I don't know anything about the characters. Like, it looks like there's a family maybe from part one, but it was not very well done based on how we're consuming content today. And so I think people that adapt and are more agile. And shift towards getting the attention and being good at connecting with people faster are going to have an edge over people that can't communicate as effectively. Yeah. So
0: it just brings me to your expertise, which is learning, change, process, and all that stuff. I mean, how did it all start for you? I mean, going back, just your name has the word engineer on there. So I'm just wondering if when you were growing up, was it like, you know, like, let's say the the tall kid in school that says you know you should be a a basketball player the pressure like where people coming up there are like are you could be an engineer like what what, what was it like uh, having that in your name
1: yeah it uh like most people the story of my last name involves my dad it's <laughs> <laughs> like what I tell people but actually when I got uh married I changed my name so I've been felipe engineer Manrique since 2005 yeah. When I legally changed my name, when I got married, my, my dad was adopted through a lot of uh, crazy circumstances. He was adopted. So our family last name of Benriquez is yeah. kind of made up. Yeah. And I told oh, I told, okay. I told my dad since I was five, I was like, dad, I'm going to change my name when I get married. Cause that's like a good, I was like, that's a good time. That's my five-year-old logic telling my dad and my dad's like, that's cute son. And so then when I got uh, engaged to my wife, I was like, oh, her last name was engineer. I was like, I'm about to level up. So Ah, I, so I leveled up and ever since, uh, I graduated from university. So right after, not short, not long after university, I made the change and I've been living like that. It feels like longer. I've had that name longer than not having it. That's how old I am. So now I'm dating myself. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, I mean, when you
0: changed it, I mean, you know you see celebrities sometimes change their names. Um, what impact did it have? Did you notice anything different?
1: Oh yeah. Like the people definitely treat you differently. And I chose to hyphenate my last name. So like if, when people look at my ID, there is a hyphenated name bias where people will leave it off or they'll read it and assume that engineer is my middle name. And I'll say, your, your brain is just not seeing that hyphen because no middle name that I know of in any culture is hyphenated. That's always a last name. (laughs) <laughs> so it's been fun to see like who pays attention and like you know what and sometimes you just catch people and they're like half asleep so like i'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt i always give people the benefit out and it's a great conversation starter yeah so like every time i travel through the airport i get looks and people are like oh it's meant to be i was like yeah and i'm an engineer too double e i studied double e electrical engineering and so i just go with it like it's fun and i i really enjoy it my wife says that uh I, I, she's like, I could tell you get so much enjoyment from having this last name. (laughs) And I was like, I do, I do. It's like, it was almost like I've planned it since I was a child. Got it.
0: Perfect. So the work you do, I mean, you have a podcast, you know, when I look at the header at your YouTube channel, it says easier, better, faster. I think the C is a C
1: for cheaper or construction. The C originally, that's a great question. Tots. And can I call you Tots? Is that? Yeah, absolutely. Tots. Yeah. Yeah, Tots. So the C stands for cheaper. And the the moniker, that phrasing comes from Shingeo Shingo, who's an industrial engineer that taught Taiichi Ono how to implement the Toyota production system way back in the nineteen forties and fifties. There's a, a fabled conversation that Taiichi was having trouble getting people to adopt his system. And they used to even call it Taiichi's like terrible Taichi system, or they had some kind of like bad name for it because people didn't like it in the early days. And Shingeo said, Taiichi. You need to first make the work easier for people once the work is easier it'll become better when the work is better the quality will start to increase as quality goes up the work will become faster as the speed of the work happening increases the work will become cheaper and you'll be more profitable this is what you always do in this order and so i learned that in my early studies of implementing lean on construction projects over a decade ago And when I got the idea for the show, it instantly hit me because this is the way you can build capacity with people, make it easier for people first. And then you have a foot in the door to institute more change. A lot of times Tots, when people want to do change, it's an add on to something they're already doing instead of a subtraction dump on someone's uh, workload, right? Exactly. The people are just like, just pile more on, just carry more, just work longer, work harder. And that is not respect for people. One of the key tenets of lean construction and just lean in general and being agile is respect for people and respecting people. Doesn't mean that we wrap you a nerf and we just never let anything happen to you. It's not what that means, but we value your human life. And if I value your life, I, I only do that after I value my own. And so that philosophy transcends through all the types of works that we do. So I love how Shingeo said that. And it was so impactful on me and my approach that I said, I've got to build this into my show. So for my show, I call it easier, better for construction, because some people, Tots, don't like the word cheap. Yeah. Some people.
0: <laughs> so I'll touch on that next, right? Because it's obviously different people have different views on the. The, the c word you talk about easier give me some examples like when you're trying to implement change or improve or whatnot what
1: things can you do to make it easier for people yeah so one of the first things i do is i want to honor how people are already working so a couple of different ways that i engage with project teams sometimes i go work with a team that is struggling and they've got like either like a lot of design changes which is you know it's an epidemic in construction a lot of design changes or late owner changes while construction's already in progress and that can become very disruptive to planned work especially when you're trying to plan and procure materials two sometimes even three years into the future and so in order to like reduce that anxiety or that stress one of the first things that i do to make work easier is to make prioritization a rule and so i'll come to teams and i'll say okay you've got You know, 30 things you've identified that you have to do. You only have three people, you know, in this one specific example, three people can't do 25 things in a week. Most people, when you break work down, I do a lot of work study and work with teams and work and be shoulder to shoulder with the dots. Most human beings working in construction accomplish three to five things per day, almost without exception. And I've noticed this over a decade of study. And so we look at this list of things. We're like, that's not going to happen even in two weeks because you also have to factor in interruptions and variation, which a lot of people are not aware of because they just deal with things as they come. They do the first in first out, which is not a way to help you with prioritization and accomplishing the most important things. And so first we prioritize. And when we're prioritizing, we often find in that list of 25 or 30 things, 10 things are meaningless. And we just take those off the list with some criteria. And so the criteria I tell people is like, I have special glasses. My special glasses allow me to see three different filtered ways of work. One, it's things the customer would actually pay for. That's green light, do it. Those are things that should be higher priority. Those are things that are in the contract, things that they actually want. Let's prioritize those things first. The second color I see through my glasses is yellow. And yellow is non-value-added but necessary. Those are policy things. That's like a company might have a rule that people have to do things in a certain way, in a certain order. That policy can create waste and slow people down inadvertently. And so sometimes once we take care of the green stuff, then we work on the yellow stuff, non-value-added but necessary. We minimize those things or we tweak those processes so that people can just change the steps And deliver and still do those minimum things that need to be done. But we don't put those things ahead of the value creating things. And then the third thing is the how we eliminate the stuff on the bottom of the list, the non-value added. It's just red. It's red. Don't do it. Don't do the red stuff. It's pure waste. And there's eight major types of waste that I'm super into. Right. And there's, but there's two other wastes. A lot of people know the eight wastes is the acronym downtime or Tim would you. Yeah. D O walk us through
0: that. Now well, might
1: know that. So, yeah, everybody might not know that. So, downtime are the eight major categories of waste that we learn from Japanese companies and American companies too. And these concepts are from the 1940s and 50s, they're old. They're old concepts and they've been around industrial engineering for a long time. I'll say what the eight wastes are in a second, but there's two other wastes that cause the eight wastes. The first one is overburden. When we overburden people or we expect too much or put pressure on people, it causes the eight other wastes, which I'm going to get to in a second. The other waste that people are not very much aware of, unless you've had a lot of systems thinking in your life, which most people haven't, is variation. Variation is always coming into your life. Like, even like the time we started this podcast, we scheduled this podcast to start right on the top of the hour. And you beat me to start. You were in early because you're the host. You're a good host. I knew that when I came in and you were there, I was like, this guy is prepared. So you, you're handling variation with your guests showing up by being ready first before me. And everything we do has variation. And then we learn. In systems thinking from people like William Edwards Deming, there's common cause variation and then there's special cause. And that's like thinking about, I'm tuning in a radio station, the signal or the channel is going to give me a static free listening experience. But if I come off of that channel a little bit, I can still kind of hear the music, but now I'm hearing a lot of static and noise. And you got to separate in the variation. What is just noise, but this is stable, it's still a radio, still playing music with static versus the signal, which is the information I actually want. And that's not super intuitive all the time. Now, those two wastes cause the other eight. And the other eight, we'll take them in order, is downtime. Defects. Having to deal with things and correct errors. Those are just defects. Those cost time and money, and they're usually not planned. That's the D. The O stands for overprocessing. That's delivering something to a quality level beyond what the client is paying you for. or Beyond what the next person in the supply chain requires of you over processing. The W stands for waiting. Waiting is like one of the number one or number two most often occurring wastes in the construction industry. It accounts for millions and millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, not billions of dollars. And construction in the US is a $3 trillion industry. <clears throat> that's, that's numbers. And as of the Early 2020s. That's the numbers now. And these numbers are just going up. And for every dollar spent, research has estimated somewhere between 20 cents to 40 cents of every dollar spent is value, value in terms of the customer's perspective. The other 60 to 80 cents is waste, money that's just burned. It does nothing to transform information and materials. So waiting definitely contributes to that 60 to 40% or higher 80% of non-value-added work from the customer's perspective, then that's the W. The N stands for non-utilized talent. That means each of us has an entire human being. We have creativity, we have skills, we have behaviors, and not utilizing those talents in our work is a type of waste. The T stands for transportation. That's the unnecessary movement of materials or equipment that produce no value for the client. So like in roofing, that's like if I, if I have a job site and I have an area to stage my roofing and I got to get it onto the roof, if I have to move that roofing material from the truck to the ground, to the roof, moving it to the ground did nothing to transform it. It should go from the truck right to the roof. And so that extra step of getting it down first before moving it somewhere else would be considered wasted transportation. It's just one specific example. The I stands for inventory. Having too much of something beyond the level that's needed for the next processing step causes us to need systems to count things. Like I'm sure there are warehouses full in the United States of inventory that someone has to keep track of that's getting damaged, that's getting stolen, that's getting lost. It causes all kinds of unnecessary work and waste. The M stands for motion. And motion is related to the the wasted motion of human beings in the system and the processes to create value. If I have to go and search for tools or if I have to go and walk like seven blocks away to use a restroom on a construction site because somebody didn't want to put it next to where my work area is, saving money on restrooms, now you're having sometimes thousands of workers walking like miles every day to just go to the bathroom. That is pure waste. The E stands for excess processing. That's over-processing, or sometimes we call gold-plating something, beyond what is necessary in order to complete the process and deliver that value in the value stream. Those eight types of wastes are in your life everywhere, from fast food restaurants to sit-down restaurants to oil changes to grocery shopping, even to online meetings like this. Those eight wastes are coming into your life all the time. And once you recognize them, you see them and you can take changes, make changes so that you can increase your capacity and eliminate those things. So a lot of times, a lot of the times people don't know what those things are. They haven't had the time to learn them because they're so busy working and there's a momentum to just doing work at a certain level. But I can come in, recognize those wastes, eliminate some of those eight things, create a ton of capacity for the individuals. And I tell them like, I don't want to, if I just saved you three hours a day, I don't want to just fill that three hours back up with work. I want you to take some of that time to learn so you can develop yourself professionally. And I want you to take some of that time to do more of the value things so that we can drive this project to the results that you and your team want. Always trying to give people what they want, not what I want. What I want is people to have fun, but that doesn't always happen.
0: I know that you 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 facilitate sort of workshops around these
1: sort of improvements what is that process and what are the phases of that, you know, to get better? It's a great question. So I just, I'll use an example. It just happened. So I got an email from a project manager a week ago and he said, uh, we're on this big job. The project's over a billion dollars in size, US dollars. And he said, we need help with our culture. So I would like to do a lean workshop so that we can introduce lean culture to this broader team which includes our people and the designers and the client. And so we are going to work together. It's a collaborative type of project delivery. It's integrated lean project delivery, which is a type of IPD with the special focus on lean. And so the first thing I said is I responded back. It was an email. I was like, in that request, I don't know enough. I don't know what they want to learn. Like I know how to do target value delivery and how to implement ILPD. And so like, The need is just like, we need some lean culture training. So first thing is meet with the person and understand what are the needs? What are the pain points or the frustration that they see where the culture has gaps or it should be? And then I can create a custom training. I always try to go custom every time. Custom training to what they need to honor the people they have working, but then bring in elements to show people that there's options, that they can choose to behave a certain way differently. And that they have some ownership in the culture that they're experiencing. A lot of people, Tots, don't realize that the culture that you surround yourself in, you are a co-creator or co-conspirator in that culture. Some people think that the culture, they just enter into it. And this, this is just, it is what it is. Like we hear this in construction all the time. And I tell people like, it's not what it is, what it is. Some of it's perception, some of it you have control and some of it you maintain. And so for this particular example, step one, understand the context of the need. Step two is I'll design based on their requirements. Like they're not going to let me have five days with their team. That'd be awesome, but that's too much Felipe time. So sometimes we're going to do like, if the team is under a lot of frustration, I will recommend we do it over lunch. So we feed people and then have an open dialogue on culture and where people are and identify maybe some points to do some future deeper dives in. If if the frustration is very high or if morale is very low, those are some of my tactics. And then I just have like, you know, all kinds of PowerPoint magic that I can weave in like these cool animations and, and bring things to life. But I always want to get people in these workshops talking as soon as possible. The faster I could get them to share their experiences, the more meaningful this type of workshop is going to be for them. And the more open they'll be to some of these other types of concepts like, pull systems of scheduling versus push systems, Gantt chart waterfall schedules, as an example. My last step is to get feedback from the people. So if I always do like a target value delivery workshop, at the end, I always do a plus delta to get feedback. And I tell people like, you're giving me feedback for me so that the next time I do this, I'm going to learn from you what you liked, what you didn't like, and what experiments can I try so that I iterate on this, stay agile, continue using scrum all the time and then take this workshop to the next level so my my workshops have an extremely high engagement rate because i've crafted my my trade to engage with groups especially large groups in meaningful ways so that they don't want to leave when we're done they want to stay and hang out that's always like it's a plus right it's a good sign that that people don't want to leave versus the i can't wait to get out of here as fast as possible Absolutely.
0: Now let's go back to that. You no, know, the final C cheaper, right? You know, cheaper. That not, not, not everyone likes, I guess, a. why do you think people don't like the word cheaper? I have some ideas, but I want to hear from you. And then also the second part of that
1: is, can you always get there? Can you always get to cheaper? Yes. Right? Or is it more yes, aspirational? You no, okay. you can always get there. You can always change your processes or reduce costs without reducing quality. It's amazing. When you start to understand things in terms of systems thinking, and for people that don't know, a system is a set of processes that have inputs, outputs, and feedback loops of some kind. That is the most basic fundamental system. But the other thing that systems have are a purpose. And I'm just taking this definition from Russ Aikoff and and Deming, who had this shared systems definition. They were profound in this area. And when you can understand what that is, you start to realize like there's things in the system that you can change easily or what people often call low-hanging fruit. But there's also different types of feedback loops that prevent change from happening. If you can't understand and draw the system, then you cannot influence the system that you're in. But sometimes you can use experimentation. If the system is very complex, then you don't have linear input changes or linear feedback loops. There could be delayed results and output that are unknown. That's a complex system. A complex system is nonlinear. I take action and I may or may not see the results of my action until sometime later. And it's hard for me to say that what I did caused a change in the system. That's a complex system by nature, but there's experiments you can do to find out if you're making it happen. And so from my experiences, Tats, you definitely can absolutely always impact price. Always. (laughs) Now,
0: you know, you're big on improvement optimization. I saw a video, you know, I think it was on TikTok where you're talking about parking in the same spot so you don't have to remember. So That's I'm assuming right. this this is brought into all aspects of your life. Do you do you mind sharing some of the aspects of things oh, the, yeah. that help you out?
1: Absolutely. So like the number one thing is I'm using the Scrum framework in order to run my life because my life is complex. It's not simple. And so I recognize I'm in complexity. And so I use like an experimenting mind to try different things. And so I'm always iterating on my life experiences. And this is like very common among a lot of people that are working in some kind of continuous improvement job. It starts to become a game and I literally make it a game. And even Dr. Sutherland who invented Scrum, he says he was a co-author in a book called Scrum, the spirit of the game. And the first chapter, they talk about how it's just a game. And you can play to win, or you can play to have fun, or you can play to any type of experience that you want, but it's, it's play. And if you take it at play, that's just like a philosophy thing. So my philosophy is to approach it as play. And so I come at it with play. I don't take it too seriously. Definitely don't take myself too seriously. And I just think like, you know, some things I can control and those things I will iterate on to make better to suit me. I, you, another thing you learn in systems thinking is exploiting the system. And exploiting the system sounds terrible, right? But it just means using the system to your advantage. Like, why not? Right? So like uh, the medium of social media, a lot of people don't figure out like how to get good on social media or why. So like on, on LinkedIn, I average you know, more than 100 new followers a week typically is what I've been averaging with the type of content I put out. And the type of content I put out is very consistent. I'm just sharing examples for people through all the different types of mediums, including TikTok. I'm just showing people like snapshots of what I'm thinking, how I think, how I'm showing up, the type of work that I do, because I want to give people options. I want to inspire people to see that they have options for their gameplay that they can change and affect their life at work or at home. And these are just some ways that I'm doing it. And I always encourage people like try it for yourself. And I I tell people like don't follow my advice. Like (laughs) if someone asks me for advice, I'm like this is what I would do based on what I understand, but you're you. So what kind of experiment will you do? That's more interesting to me. I still like to show people like what the option is for play. It's all part of my philosophy of like, just having a good time in playing and developing myself. And I've, I've told people like, I don't really know like what or who I am, like the the deepness of my character until I have an experience in the experience. I'm going to act a certain way and behave a certain way. And that reveals to me my true character and so having as many experiences as i can many different types of experiences allows me to see my character and my character as i was telling somebody today on the phone call is a little bit of a troublemaker because i like to always be experimenting and since i'm always experiment i'm always tinkering like engineer was the perfect name for me ever since i was a kid i would always take things apart to understand how things work i couldn't always put them back together <laughs> but i could always i could disassemble anything And so I've had a lifetime of like that. And that's something that is part of my core self. Like I like to tinker, understand how things work. It's just part of my play. It's like part of my happy place. Like that just makes me feel good. You put a lot
0: of content out there.
1: Do you have help? Yeah, sometimes I do. I've got, there are times that because of my travel for work that we have to, a lot of stuff is scheduled like way early in advance. When travel is light, I can be more hands-on with the type of content I put out. And then, but a lot of the content people see on social media is like live. It's me like live either early in the morning or at night or during lunch. So, I mean, some, sometimes I'm not on social media for one or two days at a time, but people don't notice because I have like this evergreen content that keeps popping and people keep making comments on and I'll eventually
0: work done, right? <laughs> right?
1: And I eventually come back, but I I'm very disciplined in my windows for being engaged on social. And so, like it's no more than five to ten minutes in the morning, and like I put out five to twenty-five pieces of content, or engagement, or comments per day. And I learned that from Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary talked about how to to scale up so that you can, you know, work on your brand and also just practice communication. So communication is something I want to practice and be better at in multiple different mediums, be it video, just straight text media, articles, blog posts or even just commenting on other people's things or, or learning and commenting on what you're learning. Like if you're watching a video online and so just all that type of stuff, all that counts towards the 25, 25 sounds like a high number. Some people don't post anything. Right. So I even know from the analytics on my show, like a lot of people watch the show. A lot of people, I I just saw the the stats today. Like, I think I saw the trend on my YouTube channel. The last 28 days had something like 3000 views from unique viewers. Over the last 28 days. And then the number of returning subscribers was like a number less than hundred. And so they have like this massive amount of people that are watching the content, but they don't hit that subscribe button. So if you're watching this interview, hit the subscribe button. There you go. Okay. We need that to, so that we know that you're out there and you want more of this type of content. If you watch two of my videos, you should hit the subscribe button to show your support. That's all I'm asking for. It's a there little pos- little positive reinforcement. I
0: love it. And now, you know, you have all the stuff you're doing with your speaking. How does that sort of come together with your role? Like, you know, you're, yeah. you're a director, right? So, right. So, so how's that? Like, it looks like it's kind of like you kind of have this influencer kind of relationship, less day-to-day. Is that is that the
1: case? Yeah, so it, it, it works perfectly with my role. So like inside of my the company that I work at, project Delivery resources director at the bull company, it's my full-time day job. In that role, like I said, I'm responsible for integrated lean project delivery, the bull production system, which is a pool planning type of methodology based on last planner system production control, which is a lot of words. It's based on plan do check adjust. So scientific management theory is what it's based on. Super simple, easy, peasy, and we just complicate it sometimes with, <laughs> with a lot of words. So those types of things are all about changing how people work. And so being an influencer is perfect for my job. It keeps me sharp. All these speaking engagements. I remember when I was getting interviewed for this job and my, my future supervisor, I shared, I shared my screen to look at my calendar. We're trying to find another day to, to interview. Like we interviewed a couple of times and he saw my calendar he's like, oh my God. He's like, you just, you just have speaking engagements every month all throughout the whole year. I was like, yeah, I've got speaking engagements from now until like the next 18 months, Like there's things I'm booked 18 months into the future. I was like, because people like the way I speak. I was like, I don't know. They like the sound of my voice or something or the content that I bring. And so like that, that type of work and that talking and being out there, forcing myself to communicate with different people that I don't know, allows me to hone my skill so that I'm working with a project team. It's very easy for me to affect positive change quickly, very quickly. And, you know, some of the work that I do inside the company, they'll bring me in just to do a targeted facilitation. So that happens quite a bit, probably more than I even, I don't even keep track of it. Like how often does that happen? I'm like working,
0: targeted facilitation, handle the problem.
1: <laughs> right. So like, cause sometimes, you know, people on a project are very emotionally tied to the outcomes. And so I can come in as a disconnected, emotional third-party facilitator and just let everyone have an equal voice. And I can create an environment quickly with using my facilitation skills to even the playing field so that people can just talk human to human. And that's powerful. That usually can like make magic happen. Like that's, that's where everybody can get more value with less effort and time. A structured facilitation, like people for listening and you want to get like really valuable for your company, learn facilitation skills because it will pay dividends.
0: Yeah, for sure you know, I mean, you know, this stuff really well, you know, you could go on and on, on all the, all the nuts and bolts, but is there anything that I didn't specifically ask that you wanted to cover
1: before we sort of, sort of, uh, in this, uh, interview? Yeah. The one thing I want people to understand, like my mentor, Jeff said, when it comes to like changing how you work, I want everyone to recognize that when you put your arms out, you have some influence. Some people it's very small and narrow. It's just you. And other people have a larger influence than they're even aware of. But the point is, you can do something to change how you're working now. And one of the things that I did, Tots, to help people see those options is I wrote this book, Construction Scrum. And I've made that book available for free on Kindle Unlimited. So you, And you can sign up for Kindle Unlimited free for 30 days. I don't get any money from Kindle Unlimited for recommending that platform. But I've also made the first third of the book Free download at constructionscrum.com. Click on downloads and you can read the first third of the book, which I argue is the best third. The last third is like some of my own personal stories. And if you watch my show, you've kind of heard my stories. <laughs> so, but the first third gives a bunch of different examples of how people implemented this type of work to completely transform their project outcomes. And it's totally doable. It doesn't matter whether your job's just starting, you're halfway through, or you've got two weeks to finish. You can implement these ideas instantly in a day. It's just a decision. So I highly encourage everyone to go to constructionscrum.com and start reading the book. And I even made chapter nine, the Scrum Guide as an audio version through my podcast and on YouTube. So you can hear my commentary on the Scrum Guide, which is the framework for how all this magic flow starts to happen. So I want to make it as easy as possible for construction professionals, and anyone working in the construction supply chain, to use these concepts to allow more flow in your life, less frustration, more freedom, and more time so that you can do what you want and make some trouble.
0: <laughs> there you go. You know, like you said, easier is the first step. So thank you so much. It was very easy to listen to you. And you had some wonderful stories. with so Felipe, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Specified Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash tats talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes.